Blog Talk Radio. Today is Monday, March the 9th, 2015, and as always, I'm your host, John Hansen, and as we do each and every Monday at this same time over these very same virtual airwaves of the Blog Talk Radio Network through our studios in New York, we bring to you Buyers Meeting Point's Kelly Marner to share with you news from the world of procurement. And of course, she's going to be talking about uh, upcoming webinars from IACCM and Proxima Group as well as the next installment in the Procurement Unplugged series. She's also going to share with us a soundbite from Heinrich Balslev, a director at Scanmark, who's going to talk about the competitive considerations, I guess that's the term she used, when auctions are selected as a negotiation approach. So the next uh, 10 or 15 minutes promise to be quite interesting. So without further delay, here's Kelly Barner. Thank you, John. This is the Buyer's Meeting Point weekly update for March 9th through the 13th, 2015. This week's events include the Sourcing Interest Group Annual Global Summit in Florida and webinars on networking, creative accounting, and procurement unplugged. My first event recommendation is a special opportunity for IACCM members and non-members alike. Women Networking Group webinar, Marketing Yourself Through Social Media, is being offered on Tuesday for free to all interested parties. With the rise of social media, we've all had to become proficient at marketing ourselves online. And I'm willing to venture that most people are like me and that they picked up LinkedIn and Twitter skills on the fly. This event will give us the opportunity to hone those skills with the help of networking expert Suzanne Birch. On Thursday, Proxima Group is presenting an event on creative accountants or the evolution of the audit market. While audit may not sound exciting, I've never been to a Proxima Group webinar that didn't provide unique and valuable insights. This particular event focuses on some of the changes resulting from new regulations in Europe and the UK. Many large companies are turning to the largest, read most expensive, audit firms. But with efficiency and the right mix of onshore and offshore resources, smaller firms may be able to compete quite well. Finally, also on Thursday, John continues the Procurement Unplugged series by speaking with Linda Regano and Kristen Cardi of ThomasNet, as well as Nick Amaturo, one of the ThomasNet ISM 30 Under 30 Rising Supply Chain Stars. Each of these Procurement Unplugged sessions asks what John considers the three most important questions for 2015 and looks to get honest responses in an open, off-the-cuff format that never disappoints in terms of interest or unpredictability. Check the Buyer's Meeting Point events calendar for the scheduling and registration links for these events as well as those coming up. Next week's events include a Supply Chain Brain webinar on supply chain efficiency and visibility and a Roslyn Analytics event on the expanded requirements of sourcing pipeline management. In this week's guest audio, I want to share an excerpt from a recent Scan Market webinar on auction strategy. I will put the links on today's Blog Talk Radio episode page to both the webinar on demand and also my coverage of it. 
It's been a long time since I attended an event that even mentioned auctions. Trends in procurement today are so focused on collaboration and value creation that talking about straight leverage price reduction seems somewhat gauche by comparison. But the fact remains that auctions are a valid negotiation method for a number of spend categories in competitive markets. In the coming clip, Enrique Balslev, a director at ScanMarket, talks about the market conditions that dictate the auction strategy to be used. Let's listen. What is also, of course, interesting to see is when we are looking at which auction types are yielding the highest savings, then Dutch auctions uh, seems to be the preferred one uh, when you only have one participating supplier. Uh, uh, Japanese auction when you have two, four, and uh, reverse auctions then if you have three, and then if you if you go if you go further up and have more than five participating suppliers. So it actually seems like. Like the reverse option is the best option type to choose if you have actually five or more suppliers participating in uh, into your auction. Uh, but of course, it always depends on that uh, analysis of the competitive situation. And and please remember, it's it's even though we are looking at the number of participating suppliers here, that should never be the deciding factor. It's not so much the number of participating suppliers, but it's more the competition. You know, the analysis should be should more be on the what is the competition in between the suppliers. Because if you uh, let's say you have 20 suppliers but there's a big gap between your leading supplier and the second best supplier of let's say 20% in price, then you actually do not have great competition even though you have 20 potential suppliers. And then the best choice for you is actually going Dutch or a Japanese auction or potentially face-to-face. -face. Whereas let's say that you only have two suppliers but their prices are very close only within a half percent of each other, then you actually have potentially great competition with only two suppliers and then a reverse auction could be surely the best choice for you there. But it's actually, but but it's still very interesting to see how here how it actually works. And I think what is uh, what is um, uh, what is the thing that I notice mostly here is that there is a clear indication that, of course, the more suppliers you're able to invite and actively participate in your auction, the higher the potential saving will be. And let's continue the analysis and go straight into the reverse auction type alone. And again, here we can clearly we can clearly see that the more suppliers that are actually participating, uh, the higher the potential savings will also be. So again, it really shows the value of increasing your so your your supply base either by sourcing or widening your product your product specifications. But it certainly also shows that that there, there is a great value in conditioning of suppliers, uh, making sure that they are prepared and trained for the upcoming negotiation, uh, because the more you can say you are able to uh, to uh, understand, you know, whether they are participating, you know, how much they will be able to actually bid during during the auction as well, etc. The higher the potential savings will also be for you, and especially the bidding activity is something that we will look at at the next slide as well. Let's just also. Uh, uh, um, just uh, here, uh, I want to comment as well that that. Before I share my thoughts on what Balslev covered in this webinar, let me just share that the data they shared with us included over 20,000 auctions in 47 countries. ScanMarket collects and tracks this data looking for correlations between the type of auction used, the number of suppliers, region, timing, and results. One interesting tidbit is that you are the most likely to get good results from an auction run on a Tuesday in June. 
While there are many details that the scan market team could and did dig into, the core recommendation is to select the best auction type and parameters for the specific competitive situation or lack thereof that you find yourself negotiating in. So auctions are more of an execution approach than a negotiation strategy. Even once you decide that an auction is the way to go, most of the strategy work is still ahead of you. Like any other negotiating strategy, procurement needs to look at the level of competition, how much suppliers will be willing to fight for their business, and how comparable the qualified solutions are. As you heard him say, the spread between the starting bids is an important indicator of the level of competition as the number of suppliers participating. Procurement's job is to read the competitive cues from the proposals that have come in and decide how they can extract the greatest value for the company through the contract they put in place. In general, more bidding activity leads to better results. So tactics such as using a smaller minimum decrement may be the secret to increased action and therefore more savings. The other important recommendation is supplier conditioning, as they put it. Think witness prep in the context of a trial. Be sure you know what your suppliers are bidding, on what, and ensure that they are clear on your specifications and requirements. More suppliers participating in an auction is typically associated with better results. And while there is no technology limitation on the number of participants in most solutions, there may be a human one. The time and communication required to ensure success is considerable, and it must often be delivered one supplier at a time. Thorough pre-qualification will ensure that participants are qualified and may even make it possible to include non-cost factors in the auction. One last connection point between auctions and face-to-face negotiations that Balslev shared is a reminder that you don't have to be in an auction to question the ethical activity of a negotiator. When in doubt, if you wouldn't take a step in a face-to-face negotiation, its equivalent doesn't belong in an auction. And by extension of that logic, negotiating traditionally, whether face-to-face, over the phone, or in the email, does not exclude the possibility that procurement will take steps that are more harmful to suppliers than is warranted. Does your company make use of auctions when the category conditions warrant it? Do you do a post-mortem on the success of each event to gain a better understanding of the conditions existing pre-event that led to your final outcome? As always, you can share your thoughts on this week's guest audio or my recommended events by commenting on today's Blog Talk Radio episode page or by connecting with me directly on LinkedIn, Twitter, or Facebook. I'll be back next Monday to review upcoming procurement events and share another guest audio excerpt. Thank you, Kelly. Where can I go with auctions? Uh, This is an area of specialty. My research back in the uh, uh, late 90s and early 2000s, especially in the areas of reverse auctions, which were funded by the Government of Canada's Scientific Research and Experimental Development Program, discovered a couple of things. First and foremost, let's refer to a CAP study. With auctions or reverse auctions, uh, the study found that the savings that were achieved in the initial uh, events, let's call them that, soon dissipated as soon as the pricing was corrected to align with the real market conditions. In other words, auctions have traditionally 
been uh, effective only for a short period of time for those companies which are less efficient and and certainly did not have the best value purchasing going on. And when we talk about best value, I know we can get into many categories, but let's just look at it from the pricing standpoint. So this is a CAP study going back to 2005, found that auctions delivered little value after the first or second event. Number two, Auctions, generally speaking, I think Kelly made an important point, is depending on the category with which you are dealing. Auctions have traditionally been predatory uh, in, in their practice, and they can indeed harm relationships with suppliers. Again, through a variety of reasons, even going through this pre-qualification process that's being discussed, if it isn't aligned with the proper category spend, if it isn't aligned with what an auction would be most conducive to, which I'll tell you in a few moments, uh, I think that it is not an effective tool. Complex contracting, complex acquisitions require a relational approach, not a technically driven one that focuses on pricing. Again, I'm trying to do this within a few minutes, and we can certainly elaborate uh, through comments uh, on, on what I'm saying. Where reverse auctions are effective are in areas of indirect material, uh, material procurement and MRO. And in those areas, the qualification process, the cost, the timing can be minimized by the utilization of an advanced algorithm program that provides weighted values to both historic performance capabilities of delivery uh, and uh, pr delivery performance, quality performance, as well as current real-time factors such as price and availability. Those factors through the utilization of our proper algorithm, and again, I'm talking about indirect materials like MRO, uh, eliminate the engagement timeline or cycles for suppliers offering these products. They can respond, and there is very little added service beyond the delivery and the quality of the product. So, you know, I, I think in, in terms of the discussion of auctions, reverse auctions, or anything along these lines, we have to look at in the historical perspective. And going back to, to again, that CAP study, where after the first or second events, companies found that the savings diminished dramatically and certainly didn't uh, justify the investment in the technology, at least back then, that existed. Now, let me close with one final thing. A senior uh, executive from uh, Procter & Gamble came up to me and invested a great deal of money, and this is a few years ago after a keynote. They invested a great deal of money in setting up an auction, and uh, they literally had no bids from suppliers. This this, this is what, uh, what they had told me. It was at the same event, by the way, that they informed me that the only difference between a public and private sector uh, uh, initiative failure is that in the private sector, you're not likely to end up on the front page of the newspaper. Uh, but within the context of that discussion, they said no one, after the cycle of time and effort spent setting up this Ariba auction, not one supplier came and responded to it. Now, that really speaks volumes. So when you look at auctions, when you look at reverse auctions, what are you using them for? How are you leveraging them? And in terms of complex contracts and building a relational approach or leveraging a relational model, technology is not going to be the answer to driving the best value. Anyway, great discussion as always, thoughtful and provocative insights. One final note, the uh, uh, ISM ThomasNet interview has been changed to March 31st. And what we will be doing actually is welcoming not just one individual of the top 30 under 30, but three to talk about the program and, the, and, and, and their view of the world of procurement. Uh, so it should be an interesting discussion. So please mark that in your calendar, March 31st. Until I come at you over these virtual airwaves again, I remain as always your host, John Hansen. Have a great and productive week.